Pops in a pod. Pops in a pod. Hi, welcome to Pops in a Pod. My name is Nader Pop, and I'm Peter Pop. Now we've got a special episode lined up for you this week. This episode is all about books. Nader, we certainly love reading books, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. So. what nader and i thought is we'll do a round up of the books that we're reading but also share some of the key takeaways that we've got from these books now these books can be fiction non fiction whatever catches our fancy at that time absolutely and this is something that we want to pick up books then we can share with our listeners as well uh, anything that catches our fancy as you said uh, and and it's just certain pointers that are just worth sharing it's as, yeah. it's as simple as that So let's kick it off. Nader, what have you been reading? The book that I have been reading is the book you wish your parents had read. It's oh. by Philippa Perry, and I, I just have this newfound affinity for parenting books these days. Um, it's it's just something that I have, you know, just gravitated myself towards. I mean, I read a lot of other stuff as well, but for some reason, just in the last. few months i've been really picking up these parenting books and you know when i saw this on kindle i said yeah i i definitely want to yeah. you know and, and honestly like there's a dirt we keep talking about it right in parenting books in india right absolutely so that's why some of the references you only get True. are from the west absolutely and that's that's probably i think maybe one of the reasons that i really want to read these kind of uh, books and yeah most of them are from um, you know authors or from other countries um So in in a very simple sentence I'll just give you a synopsis of of the book. Um this book is about how we have uh, relationships right with with our kids. Um what gets in a way of a good connection and how do we enhance that that connection? And I and I found that very fascinating, you know, that I would also love to understand what is it that Philippa is is uh, sort of writing about and which leads to the question as to why I chose this book and i think the answer is very simple i definitely want to learn something parenting also is is a journey where you're constantly learning when it comes to parenting books i think most of the things we already know or are aligned to right what we have to do what we don't have to do those are things we believe in but the reason why i would like to read other people's stuff is I want to see if we are aligned, right? If somebody halfway across the world is aligned to my belief system of certain do's and don'ts when it comes to parenting and you know having a relationship um, with the child, and and I felt that you know a book like this is uh, is is perfect, right? Because you have Philippa, who's uh, I think from the UK, and she's giving a lot of those perspectives, and and um, it's just universal, right? Yeah, it's so universal. Uh, parenting, I don't think certain tenets, certain beliefs of parenting changes. no matter who you are where you're from and i think that's one of the reasons why even uh, you guys come to pops in a pod and and listen to us because i'm sure uh, apart from learnings you'll also would like to understand that what are the things that nader and peter probably do that is aligned to what your system of do's and don'ts are correct peter true true i i totally agree i mean it's interesting just to realize that you know what all of us are sitting in this large boat oh wait let me correct that large yacht yeah. <laughs> of parenting and we're all sailing in it together no matter which country you are yeah, in the world what, what about your book peter what have you read so mine is a little more serious of sorts uh it's working with influence by dr 
Amanda Neiman Peters. Dr. Amanda, I have to put this up front, was my dean at the Halt International oh, Business wow. School in Dubai. So, you know, I came across her book here in Bombay and I definitely had to buy it, especially since uh, she taught me for a few years. Now, the book is actually based on behavioral science and actually features nine principles of persuasion to help you accelerate your career. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you think about it, behavioral science is something that's constantly evolving. Uh, when I was studying at the Halt International Business School, I happened to take a course in behavioral economics. And that got me like a slight taste, I would say, of what the whole field is like. It's really vast and there's constantly new research being done. But as a quick synopsis, I'll tell you there are nine principles of persuasion, which are kind of broken up into three sets. So the first set is people related, which is status, social imitation and affiliation. The second is perception. So it's value framing, effort, reasoning. The third is behavioral related. So that's inertia, end goal focus and execution. Now, a lot of this seems like, you know, a lot of these terms, but I found some really impactful and really insightful things. Now, a disclaimer I'm going to put right up front that a lot of it is research done over a period of time. And while it's very easy, like we spoke in a simple, in a related episode where, you know, you take this research and say, oh, this applies only to my life or yeah. I must directly implement it. It all depends on the context also, right? And it's done over a period of time. But honestly, why did I choose this book? I've worked in marketing for over a decade, right? And one of the things about marketing that I really enjoy is you're dealing with people. True. And trying to just understand how people work. I think people have dedicated their entire lives to that honesty, right? And that's something beautiful about uh, behavioral science. So that's why when I saw that, hey, you know what? It's behavioral science. My dean wrote this book. I said, you know, we definitely have to talk about it on this episode of Pops in a Pod. And it's interesting because I think uh, both our books uh, at different levels have something in common, which is people, right? Because parenting also is raising little human beings. and (laughs) The toughest of people. Yeah, the toughest of people. Like how to convince them on on certain things and, um, you know, how to treat them or... Uh, as as the book uh, says that you know how do you enhance your relationship so and on your side your side it's it's marketing how to convince people to buy things i suppose or you know just uh, you know choose one product over the other so i think at at some level it all sort of comes down to the point that okay these are the kind of people that we are dealing with our target audience <laughs> <laughs> you can't get away with throwing in some of this jargon right? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, at some at some level, I'm sure we'll find common ground between both our books. Awesome. So you want to kick this one up? Now yeah, there? for sure. So as I said, it, it's it's a it's a very interesting read. Um, there are there are a lot of things and ex- experiences that that Philippa uh, talks about. But I'd like to highlight uh, a couple of points that I that definitely struck me. And as I mentioned that. Most of the things as a parent you would have probably experienced, but when somebody else writes about it, you know for a fact that, okay, I'm not the only one who's probably yeah. experiencing this. So it, it just feels great, right? So the first one that I'd like to talk about, and I'm going to I'm going to read the line that she used in the book, is you don't have to do everything that was done to you. You can ditch the things that were unhelpful. Now, this is a very, very important uh, thought. It 
it hit me immediately when i read that line um and i i remember as a kid my mother would sit next to me every time i would study and for hours right like she would just drop everything and she would just sit next to me especially um when the uh, the term was coming closer to an exam yeah. right and she would just sit next to me and i remember those days we would sit on the kitchen table or we would uh, sit in one corner of the house where the, there was not too much noise and she was just always there and at some point i felt okay good that you know she's around but she would really lose her temper and she would make me revise things and i don't think i'll i'll want to be that parent right i mean my mum did it out of uh, sheer goodness of her heart <laughs> that she dropped her personal time and just sat with me and saw that i was going through everything uh, from a from a study standpoint but i i i don't know if i want to ever do that with my kid you know just kind of be there hounding her do this do that obviously at this age it's important but i think the older she gets um Uh, hopefully i can just back off so <laughs> <laughs> no, i think that's important right because one important thing i want to talk what is this conditioning right a lot of times we've been conditioned over a period of time just by what our parents do yeah. that we think that's the only way right it's only when you read such books or Correct. you kind of open your mind or you have conversations like we are having yeah. that you realize hey that's not how things are really done yeah. oh nadir doesn't do the same thing that i do right? exactly so i think that that's uh, one of the beautiful things that just having conversations and reading books really help with yeah, right? and just sharing like you know yeah. the way we are sharing right now tomorrow um there'll be certain impactful things from the book that you try and put it in practice it's as simple as that the second one that uh, uh, that that again caught my attention was this and i'm going to read that line uh it says that your kids behavior is threatening to trigger your own past feelings of despair of longing of loneliness jealousy or needless uh, neediness rather than empathizing with your child you short circuit and get angry or frustrated now again i the example that i want to give that's probably happening um in in my parenting life is i'll i'll start off with studies again right and when you're trying to teach basic maths to your child right and you just throw an equation okay well, what's 2 plus 2 and you already know the answer in your head like it's it's in a millisecond right but that child is like thinking and then going oh okay and you're just like it's four it's four how can you not get and then it immediately strikes me that the age difference between my kid and me is at least three decades right uh that's the kind of experience that i have gained and it's so true that there are certain simple things that get you so frustrated but you have to look at it from the child's perspective that the child in in her world uh 2 plus 2 is still a very very difficult mathematical um uh, equation but what you are expecting the child to be in terms of experience at your level and it's just wrong so when you read it you realize that oh god that's me i i also tend to do that because i just assume <laughs> that intellectually <laughs> she's at my level yeah. and it just as like okay yeah i get it i get it i'm i'm now i see where this is going and i'm going to very slowly start you know kind of moving away and i've already put it in practice peter you know after i read this i've i've said okay no yeah uh, i'm i'm not going to be that guy i said 2 plus 2 okay take your time it's all right 
take your time maybe use your fingers count it and yeah. then reach your answer i think the answer is is important and um, not really how much time they take because eventually 2 plus 2 is going to become so insignificant in their lives when they grow <laughs> older so that's yeah. another thing that really hit me hard i mean i mean like 100 will matter more than 4 <laughs> Yeah, and then the the multiple equation. So, I I completely I completely uh, you know uh, get that. And uh, you know, at some point also as a kid, uh, I remember those days where I used to get yelled at for the 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 simplest things. You know, like you're eating and you drop food on the table. You're not doing it on mis by by mistake. I mean, it, it happened by mistake. You're not doing it on purpose. And then you get yelled at. It's like, oh my god, what have you done? You're dropping food, and I'm like, but I, I didn't intentionally do it, right? So those are the moments that I remember in my life when I was as you know old or as young as my daughter. Those are the things that happen, and I get it as to why that trigger happened because it probably happened to you at some point, and um, you see that you're becoming your version of, uh, I mean, your parents' version. and that's something that you kind of want to avoid so it was nicely done it was very well put and I, this is something that i want to highlight the next one and i'm going to read this line what children need is for us to be real and authentic not perfect basically this is something that i i put in practice very very recently not not because i i read the line but because i realized that um you you need to give space to your kids right um your kid is not looking at you as a superhero who'll come and you know just swoop you uh, off every time you're you're in trouble right and i realize that i i try to be that person a lot sometimes that oh if you're ever in trouble your father will come and save the day for you and don't worry about it everything's fine blah 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 um but sometimes they just want you to be real you know and um this is something that happens when i commit a mistake right instead of covering it up i'll i'll tell my daughter that it's okay you know what i made a mistake i'm i'm sorry i'm i'm human i also tend to make mistakes and i'll give you a very simple example right you guys can also try it at home um if you ever feel the need to tell your child to put that phone away or put the ipad away or stop watching tv you need to show it first right you also need to kind of do that because that is then your authentic self you can't be on the phone and expect your child to put the phone down yeah. right you you kind of need to sort of you know do it yourself to show that hey okay he's doing it so probably i can i can and that that's that's these are the kind of things that i that i really liked noticing and read more and more and started reflecting that hey am i doing this if i'm not i would like to put it in practice right yeah. you've you've had these kind of experiences yeah know? i mean like sometimes i keep saying sorry to my son and then my son looks at me and says for what are you saying sorry right because <laughs> in his mind he's not realizing yeah, yeah and i feel at that point it's important yeah. because when i look back at our parents right yeah. when you think about it our parents were perfect yeah we Correct. thought our parents could do no wrong sure sure and then suddenly that glass shatters right and i don't want now that i've lived that life True. i don't want it to be a repeat for my son i want him to realize that yes there are goods and there's bads right we're not as parents perfect we make mistakes and it's okay because i think it's through the mistakes that we learn right so i think that's a very important thing and i'm glad you know the author highlighted that no it's, it's very very well put that uh, we cannot always be the perfect version um of parents to our kids just because we had a certain uh, perception yeah. halo effect of yeah. of our parents right so i completely get that um 
the next one also is something very recently and this is something that my wife keeps drilling in my head which says that we should avoid labeling our children the lazy one the clumsy one um when we were kids and i distinctly remember especially uh, with with uh, my uh, you know my girl cousins where every time they would question something or uh, you know have have a conversation which is going in a direction where the adult cannot manage they'd be like oh dekho kaisi dadi ban rahi hai right <laughs> now yeah. immediately you the the child has realized that oh if i ask more questions or if i start an argument or a discussion i'll be perceived as the old dadi ma and i don't want to be that right what this is doing is you are boxing that child and tomorrow if they genuinely have some interesting points to share with you they probably never will because they'll just think hey my 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 own parents will call me a dadima or you know uh whatever names that you probably come up with and uh, this is something that we have been trying to avoid for the longest time i'm glad <laughs> that this is something that came out of the book as well and i'm like okay so it's not just us who are trying very hard to you know stay away from these labels because we are making such a conscious decision not to mm. box our kids into um, you know a, a certain entity that we are probably restricting their growth intellectually also uh, and emotionally as well because tomorrow i want my child to come and share things mm. with me and not say oh you know you are such a, a cry baby Uh, you have to be oh, yeah. tough you have to uh, you know if somebody is harassing you uh, go fight them back or whatever I, yeah, i'm yeah, just yeah. trying to give you an example you but uh, the minute i say you're such a cry baby tomorrow she'll just even if it happens in school she'll she won't come and tell me and i think that's that's a huge disservice as a as as a parent no no definitely i totally agree with you i mean like labeling like we've talked in the past right it is really hard on the kid and you don't see the impact on it then right you'll slowly see the impact and then Correct. at some point the kid whether they like it or not has just worn that hat so to say right so i think Absolutely. that's really important at the outset itself and at the start to kind of avoid that yeah absolutely and my last point um that that i definitely want to bring up is that if children are preoccupied Uh, if they are worried about their security their safety and how they belong they are not free to be curious about the wider world if you dismiss a child's feelings as unimportant they are less liable to share any subsequent feelings with you which kind of ties in with the with the earlier point that we discussed right that a child needs to be in a safe environment a child needs to be in an environment where they feel comfortable right and this can happen in two ways and and i'm sure it happens in our lives as well where if there's if there's an argument that's going on between the two spouses and if the child has to hear it there must be some impact the child must be facing so at some level i think we need to be mindful that if we have to get into an argument the child ideally should not be exposed, especially a young child should not should not probably be exposed to to that kind of a situation uh, and and the other one is that if the child is constantly feeling threatened in whatever way right constantly whether it's your the environment in the house outside the house they will always their first go to thing would be i have to be safe from that yeah which immediately restricts their thinking to do something else right and as kids i i i'm sure we must have gone through this a lot but today we are so mindful where we are constantly exposing our children to experiences 
that they can choose and feel that okay at least my parents are helping me do this and they're there you know if it's something as simple as swimming a very simple nudge saying that don't worry it's okay remove your float nothing will happen the the coach is there he'll save you the minute you start putting in these these elements of encouragement i think the child gets it that okay i don't have to worry about drowning right as much as i need to uh get my form right for swimming and i noticed both my wife and i doing this constantly now that she's doing a lot of other classes as well because with kids you know there's this instant fear oh my god will i be able to do this how yeah. will i do this what if i break my leg what if i do this and i think that constant encouragement sort of helps so the environment of safety of you know the way you try and keep your child secured through words through actions uh, i really love this point i i personally took it and i felt that okay this is something i can definitely put in practice on a regular basis right and it was a very lovely thing to read because i kept rereading and i said yeah and, and i'm thinking in my head i said oh yeah, yeah these things happen to me as well and i'm and i'm glad it it's kind of there in practice because i can see the output and yeah it it was it was great to kind of pick up these things and um, these are the five takeaways from from the book it's something that i would want to put in practice and there are many many uh, things that you can see in the book and you can definitely you know go through it and you know see what you connect with and what are the pointers that you would like to put in in practice yeah that's that's my say on my book uh by philip aperi okay so now on to me where i was reading working with influence by dr amanda neiman peters so i have to put a disclaimer back again here just in case you didn't catch it in the start a lot of this book is to do with research and while sometimes research may be you know boring of sorts <clears throat> the ones i've picked are the most insightful ones right <laughs> and this it's strange how while it's a book primarily for how to be persuasive in your career i could also see a lot of parallels in parenting so let's kick off with the first one it says that research indicates that when people receive instructions from someone they perceive as having a higher status they do less neuroprocessing than when they act on their own initiative and i was thinking about it right is that if you think about a real life scenario it's say your parent or your grandparent or in a work situation where you have your boss or your boss's boss yeah. when they're telling you something <clears throat> the moment they're at a status higher than you mm. you're just not thinking about what they're saying you're just more focused on the actions bit and i was thinking of so many instances that it happened to me at work right it's just that mere <clears throat> status of sorts that is there that you don't even focus on the details you're more focused on the actual output of getting things done correct correct and there's a flip side to it also right now that you're a team leader or you're in a position of a higher status how are you perceiving or kind of giving out your instructions in there because a lot of times you expect you know one is to one or exactly the same thing but now that i know this i realize that hey that's not exactly happening and if you think about it it's the same scenario with parenting right yeah. there is a status difference between <clears throat> parents and kids uh, at the end of the day so that's where i feel now that i know this you're far more aware uh, of the scenario right No, hundred percent. I think with children also, what happens is that because they look up, I mean, who's the immediate person they're looking up? 
ഫോർക്കമ yeah that that discussion that argument so whatever it is but yeah in the real world it's sad uh, and from an india perspective you give an order you're supposed to get it done yeah, so, yeah and it has to be done exactly right moving on to the next one and i think this is more related to work where the two aspects and i'm going to join them together <clears throat> is one is the research found that being among the first to speak up was associated with being selected as a group leader and therefore given higher status in the group and i found that interesting because when i was thinking about the online meetings that we had a couple of years ago right where you didn't see people's faces or if you saw yeah. you just assumed the first person who spoke was really the leader yeah, right yeah. and that's a very unconscious thing you were true, ending true, up true, doing true. so in a related study they found that researchers said that people who had a narcissistic personality and therefore behaved in a confident manner were highly likely to be chosen as a leader when put in a leaderless group wow. now if you combine both of this and you think about it right if you know this insight that's how you basically become a leader in the group be the first person to speak and speak more confidently correct and if you think about all those group situations we were put in college yeah, yeah. and things like that and that kind of just translated into the workplace also right now the flip when i was thinking about it now that you know this insight you're not always trusting the person who's the most confident and or appears the most confident yeah. and talking right True. or you don't necessarily know that the person who's speaking first is the leader yeah yeah so there's a flip to that also when i think about it it's very superficial right it's yeah. it's extremely superficial and i think this happens a lot even in schools by teachers um because they have this overview of looking at children and slotting them in certain personality traits yeah. that oh she's the confident one he's the quiet one but he's a smart one but he can't be the leader she can and their combination will be very good so that that is how then you know immediately a, a group is is made so i see that a lot that happens in school and colleges as well i mean we've we've all kind of yeah. gone gone through that but in a, in the workplace yeah it's it is going to be rampant i mean there will be those those type of people who want <laughs> to be heard but they probably not have done it <laughs> true, true, true. We've, all, we've all been there now, <laughs> so yeah now this one is especially interesting In Austria and Switzerland they did a survey where they put up a sign saying 75% of guests who were in this room reuse their towels. This resulted in more people reusing their towels as opposed to the standard message which used to be put saying please help us protect the environment by reusing your towels. Here's a parallel study which will even further emphasize this point. in england and wales what they did was they put posters up saying people who eat here choose to eat vegetable in their lunches that resulted in an increase in people consuming vegetables as opposed to doing seminars 
and all saying that you know you need to eat vegetables wow and that was so interesting when i was thinking about it from a communications point of view is as people yeah we are more influenced by what the perceived behavior of others is and i was like wow you want to fit in with the rest of the group that's why you'll do a certain behavior not when you know it's right or wrong yeah i think at that point fitting in with the larger group is more important than right and wrong and immediately what i thought of was exactly what happens in school groups as parents yeah. right yeah, yeah. there may be sometimes that you may not agree hmm. with certain things but you have to just show up because that's the consensus and the yeah. princess group and i think that that is really beautiful but uh, i want to quickly go to my next point because i think you'll definitely enjoy this one which is a study on the championship athletes that actually won silver and bronze medals hmm. so what they looked at and they realized was those who won bronze medals were slightly happier than the ones who won silver medals oh wow That's do you want to guess why nadir um i think the kind of effort that they must have probably put in to even stand on the podium and get a medal irrespective of the color i guess that's that's something i think it's effort versus outcome it's also about framing hmm. so if you think about it those who won the bronze medal looked at the positive and said we almost missed out on the podium hmm. yeah. whereas those who won the silver said oh we almost missed out being first. being first so they looked at it negative yeah yeah and if you think about it right in the long term and mm. this is what i was just thinking about right about the marks episode uh, we had done a few years ago and we re-released some time ago right it's all about how you perceive or you think about it right we said clearly that comparison is bad yeah yeah but if you take it into this example and mm. this story mm. you always felt when you got your marks went to your best friend how much did you get hmm. okay he got slightly lower than me so in comparison i feel better true, right true. and i think that comparison or just that framing that you put in yourself or i mean come on in india we have that sharma ji ke bete ko kitna aa gaya exactly, right yeah. so that you always use that and again when i was thinking about it right how do you compare we we know for a fact as parents we realize comparison yeah. between kids is a strict no no correct, right correct but now that we are mindful of this this is exactly how you kind of show the kids that okay if they're looking at something from a negative perspective how do you switch it right look at it and i think that framing is really important and yeah. i think this is something that there's so much research being done in psychology in there right you know it's amazing because even in in the book that i read uh, there was something very similar that uh, i i came across which is if your child is doing something don't immediately which kind of comes from the whole labeling aspect right that um you could have come first as opposed to describing the situation and trying to bring about a more positive feeling which is you tried your best you were not far off so what if you're not first but at least you've you've come in the top 3 and immediately as a as a child i feel i feel good about myself that oh you know in a class of 50 i was there in the top 3 as opposed to i did not come first right so i i i totally get it it's it's such a an interesting way to communicate because this book is all about understanding human behavior and how to communicate it's as simple as that and this is one such example that stands out so well yeah 
So yeah, those were my takeaways from Working with Influence by Dr. Amanda Neiman-Peters. I'd highly recommend this. I think if you're somebody who's just interested in the field, if you're looking at progressing your career, you're a parent, you're wearing both hats and trying to manage it, I think it's definitely something uh, that you will enjoy. Yeah, and both these books have their own uh, sets of uh, takeaways. Um, it's it's great that if you pick up something that you can connect with and both these books, as I said, have have their own different perspectives, whether you look at it from a work, work standpoint or whether you look at it from a parenting standpoint, I'm pretty sure there is something that you will connect with. The same way you listen to this podcast, hoping to connect with uh, us, hoping to connect with something that you're already doing and reinforcing the fact that, okay, it's not just me and you're never alone as a parent. <laughs> Please remember that you're never alone. Everyone has their own sets of challenges and uh, positives. So yeah, just just look at it that way and go for the positives. That's, that's all we can say. You know, before I wrap up, I just want to quickly say is that like I said earlier, in this yacht of parenting, definitely join Pops in a Pod <laughs> with us because I think the yacht just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But uh, yeah, just check out us on social media. Just search for Pops in a Pod. And you can also email us on popsinapod at gmail.com if there's anything that you would like to share with us please feel free to write either on mail or on social media and we will definitely get back until next week see you guys